close out uh, where, where we've been the last couple weeks. Um, we've been looking at what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That is a command that is given to all believers, uh, to be filled with the Spirit. And um, the thing about that commandment is, is that whenever you break apart the Greek, um, it is um, the action of the verb is done to the subject by an outside source. So when the Bible tells me to be filled with the Spirit, that is something that is done to me by an outside source. That source would be God. So it's one of those weird commandments where you're commanded to do something, but you can't do it. It has to be done to you. And so um, the issue is um, not the filling part. It's um, making sure there's enough space in my life uh, to where I can truly be filled. And so God does the filling, and we do what? Create the space, right. So that's kind of what we've been talking about and how all the, these things get in our lives. And we look to these things um, often, so often for security and identity and um, it's all these things that are not Him. And so we're designed by God for, uh, to, for Him to be the one that we look to um, for everything. And yet, many times we fill our lives with things that are not Him and we look to those things for security and identity and value and direction and, um, you know, companionship and all this, this kind of stuff. And um, so we've kind of been walking through the Bible. We looked at some Old Testament examples about um, how the, it was a problem in Israel and kind of how they, uh, kind of God's attitude toward that and how he dealt with them. And um, so I kind of made up this weird analogy a couple weeks ago, and I decided just to chase it all the way through. And it was talking about if being filled with the Spirit of our lives are like this bucket, this Home Depot bucket. Um, our lives are like it, and God is filling us, His Spirit is filling us, and it is continually filling us. Um, then my job is to create space, and how there's all kinds of things in my life, like this Sprite bottle, that in this bucket, um, if, if I have a Sprite bottle and all these other things in there that are solid like this, they are, uh, because of displacement, they are taking up space that God was intended to take up. And so last week we talked about, okay, there are, there are these things in here that don't belong. How do you know the things that need to just get out of your life completely? Whether it's, um, you know, certain disciplines or, or relation, certain relationships or, you know, uh, you know, just a number of things. How do you know what needs to come out of the bucket? Um, but at the same time, there are certainly some things that need to stay in the bucket. So if you find that your, uh, your marriage is one of those things that is taking up space, that it is something that you are looking to for security and value and all this kind of stuff. And it is, it is something, it is playing a role in your life that God uh, designed uh, you for, for Him to be the one to play it. Um, what do you do about the fact that you, you don't get out of your marriage because it has become an idol, you know? You have to obviously do something with it besides getting it completely out of your life. And um, so kind of what it came to is the, is the things that come out of the bucket, you get rid of them. You deal with them. Things that need to stay in the bucket... They need to be changed from something that, that is taking up space in life. So let's say water is the spirit and you're filling it up. Right now the Sprite bottle is taking up um, 
two liters or 6.7 fluid ounces, um, 67.6 fluid ounces of space that uh, God should be taking up. Instead of it being something that takes up space, it really needs to be something like a sponge that as it is in there, as God fills you up, His Spirit also fills up, say, your marriage. So it stops becoming an idol and it starts to become something that is saturated with Christ so that He has what Scripture describes as the preeminence. If you got a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1 and um, kind of see where this idea comes from. Colossians 1, verse 15, talking about Christ. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. all All things were created through Him and for Him. So the things that need to be in the bucket, these things are good. They are created by Jesus and they're created for Jesus. So let's say your marriage that is not going to come out of the bucket, um, it is for him. So it needs to be a sponge and not a bottle that is taking up space. So our marriages, our jobs, our money, our whatever, needs, need to be saturated with Christ. That is how he designed it. There are some things it's just going to be impossible to saturate God with. All right? If there are sinful practices in your life, it's hard to, to say, how can, I, how can Jesus saturate this? Well, he's not going to. That's why it needs to come out. But the things in life that he designed that are for him and uh, designed by him, those are things that he wants to fill up. Let's keep going. It says, verse 17, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything... He might be preeminent. And in everything, He might be preeminent. So everything in life that needs to be in life, the design is for Him to be preeminent, for Him to be superior, for Him to saturate all of those things. So what I want to do tonight is I want to look at at three of the big areas of life um, as we close this kind of series out tonight. Three of the biggest areas of life and see exactly what a saturated... uh, sponge looks like when it comes to those things. Is that good? Now, we're going to jump around Scripture a little bit, and so, you know, those of you who bring a Bible or those of you who iPhone your way through it, just relax. Close the Bible. Log out of your iPhone, whatever. Um, just let's, we're going to put the verses on the screen, and it'll just be okay, all right? Let's just let, let the Word do its job. Um, so, three major areas. Uh, the first one is going to be school. Uh, school. First one's going to be work. All right. Now, this area can encompass a number of things. All right. Maybe maybe it is your job, uh, or your career, or you know anything like that. Um, if you are a student, then that's your job. I'm sure your parents tell you that all the time. That's your full time job is to be a student. Um, but if you think about it, you are basically in training for what will be your job one day. So they're they're very right, and you need to treat it like a job and take it seriously. Um, so maybe maybe it's school. Um, Maybe if, if you are a, a parent who, is, um, who stays at home w- with your kids, um, that, is, that is your job, to disciple and raise your kids. 
And so I don't want you just to check out and think, you know, well, I don't, I don't work. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't have to listen. You do. Uh, all you stay-at-home moms. Um, maybe, maybe you are unemployed at the moment. Job is looking for a job. That's your full-time job right now is finding a job. And so one day when you have a job, these things will apply. Um, so all these things about work, I mean, this is such a huge area of life for so many people. You look at your day, I mean, you, your Monday through Friday, you spend most of your time either sleeping or at work. It's just kind of how life breaks down, especially here in America. So it's important for us to know, like, since, since that is a major, um, a major uh, sponge in our lives, exactly what it looks like biblically for that to be saturated and look like Christ. Um, Colossians chapter 3 has some uh, pretty poignant things to say. Verse 17 says this, says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That verse is crazy because he definitely gets his point across. It would be like me saying, Okay, I want every one of you, male and female, all of you, give me $10. Alright? There, there are no exceptions in the room when that's done. That's what he says. Uh, whatever you do, word or deed, everything. There's not a single area of life where um, this verse does not apply. Everything should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That has, unfortunately, just kind of been tagged on the end of, like, you know, blessing the food and blessing or any prayer in Jesus' name. Um, and in that situation, it kind of means one thing. In this verse, here's what it means. Um, in Israel, your name... Um, it, it meant two things. Your name meant, your, it had to do with character, and it had to do with destiny. The parents didn't flippantly name their kids. And so there are places in the Bible where um, kids are named some pretty unfortunate things on purpose. Go read Hosea, and look at what, like, what he and Gomer, or well, more than more Gomer's kids, but look what their kids were named. I mean, it's It's horrible. And so they were given these names that were bad, and not only did it mean their character was bad, but it meant that their destiny was bad. And on the other side, I mean, there were people who were named something on purpose because they wanted their kids to have virtuous character and to have an amazing destiny in front of them. And so your name was a big deal, and everybody knew what names meant. I always talk about this, but I grew up during the phase of, like, the bookmark gift with your name and what it means biblically in it. That every time I get one, it was something different, but whatever. Um, and that was like one of the things people gave you at graduation. Like I got all these you know, things saying what Joshua meant. But back then, they, you, you didn't have to have it explained. You just knew. It was a part of their culture. And so when it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, it means to do it in a way that is consistent with his character, but also in, consistent with his destiny. So when you are working, you literally you work as Jesus would work in your situation. And that can be a challenge sometimes, obviously. But that is what a saturated view of work looks like, biblically. No matter what you do, no matter what your profession is, if you are a student... If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're looking for a job, the way that you do that is to conduct yourself in the same way that Jesus would in that situation. That's what it means to do it in his name. 
Well, that's kind of challenging. And that's why it says be filled with the Spirit, because you're not going to pull that off on your own. On your own, it ends up being a Sprite bottle that just takes up space. But God wants to saturate that. College students, He wants to saturate your school experience. Fill it up. A little further down in Colossians, it says this. Now, it's talking to slaves, all right, in this situation, um, which is not condoning, you know, slavery and saying it's okay, but it's saying, like, look, this is kind of how culture is. Um, if you are, uh, and slavery was, we have this one connotation, but back then it was, it was a lot more to it. And so basically what he was saying is, like, if that's the situation that you're in right now, um, you need to conduct yourself uh, in a way that is honoring to God as well. This is what he says. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of, of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. See, I know that you have a boss, and I know in, what's, in a sense you work for your boss, and you're trying to please your boss and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to that area of life being saturated, it's more about looking at your life as, yes, I'm, this is my employer, but on a bigger picture, I'm representing someone that's bigger than all this. And so the way I conduct myself is important. And so when it's taking up space, I mean, that's when, that's when you know, our, our jobs become an exception, you know, where, where that's, a, that's a place where we don't walk out our faith. That's a place where, where ethics don't matter. It's a place where our language doesn't matter. It's a place where we behave where we would a way we would never behave around our community group friends or our families or our kids or whatever. When it's just taking up space, that's when people, all they do is complain about their jobs instead of saying, what a blessing that God has, has given me this opportunity. That's when it becomes my job, my career, my whatever. That's when it starts to become consuming to the point where people neglect their families and neglect their relationship with the Lord and they neglect their church and they neglect all these things. It's all about work, all about work, all about work. That's how you know when it's just taking up space in your life. But when it is a sponge, you say, my goal is to please the Father because that's what Jesus was all about. My goal in work is to be obedient to the Father and to glorify the Father because that is what it would look like to be an employee and to live this way in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus went through some tough stuff, but he was always saying, look, I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to do the will of the Father. And so maybe that's a challenge for us to look at our jobs in this way. And some of y'all are like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that. You got the best job ever. I got a great job, I'm not going to lie. But, this is what applies to all of us. Whatever we do, to do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe the, maybe the takeaway for you is relating to work. The next area of life I want to talk about real quick is money. When money is taking up space, there's a lot of ownership of it. My money, my paycheck, my savings account, my retirement funds my purchases, my whatever. 
feeds that materialistic side of us. It overrides our ethics. When you don't have it, you get real insecure and you get worried. When the stock market takes a big dip, you just completely freak out. It indicates that, I mean, there's a certain amount of like good wisdom that comes with that, but then you can watch these people that just absolutely freak out, and it's because that's all where all their security is. It's in their finances. When it's taking up space, you're irresponsible with what you do have. Ultimately, it comes down that it is an idol in your life. It is an area of life where you don't let God in. That's the thing about this bottle. And that's one of the, the toughest things, I think, about, um, about us figuring all this stuff out in life is there are some areas where we have no problem being that sponge and saying, God, fill this up, saturate this, or whatever. But it seems like we all have that one thing. We're like, yeah, but th- this, one's, this one's mine. I don't want you in this at all. And for a lot of people, it's money. You want to sit down and get that calculator out and figure out what 10% is, and you give it down to the penny, and you don't want to give anything else. Like, I, I gave already, already gave, already gave, already gave. So, what does it look like when it is a sponge? Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Okay, that's good doing honest work with his own hand, okay, so, uh, so that he may have something to share with anyone who's in need. That's a big difference, right? I'm going to work to make more money so that I can give it to people who need it. That's, that's the difference between these two. Not the difference. That's a major difference between these two. When it's a bottle, it's like, I'm going to make all the money I can so that I can buy a bigger TV or a better car or the latest whatever. And when needs come up, you're like, man, that's really unfortunate. Maybe you should put in some overtime. But maybe the person that you're talking to doesn't have the option of working overtime. But over here, it's like, yeah, I had a, I had a really good month at work. I just got a, I got a bonus randomly out of nowhere. I can, I can help you out. I can, yeah. Let me know what the needs are. It's so cool. I have people who, um, who tell me from time to time, they're like, look, um, if y'all ever need anything financially, I'll be mad at you if you don't let me know. Not people involved with our church. People just, they just want to give and help meet needs. I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that there are people within our church who as needs come through the staff and the elders and we know about, there are, people, there are some of you out there that I have no problem And hey, look, I just want to make you aware of this need. I'm not asking you for money, but I know that, I know that you're the kind of person who, who likes to help meet needs. I know that you be, believe that God has um, blessed you financially so that you can help take care of people. I'm just letting you know. To be in that position as a pastor. To know that there are people who would not be offended by that or whatever. See, that's, that's what it looks like. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, says the point is this, this is 6 through 11, says whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God's able to make all grace abound to you, check this out, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. All sufficiency in all things at all times. That's basically just saying, okay, 
the needs that you have are going to be met, either by God directly or through the church, through the people that make up the church. So God's going to take care of you so you can relax. And it says, as it's written, he's distributed freely and he's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies us seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That's, that's different. See, when, um, when the way you look at your finances is like a sponge, um, you believe that God has entrusted money to you for a reason. And that reason is to meet your needs, okay? To pay the rent, to pay the mortgage, to have food to eat, to put gas in your car to get you where you need to go. He's provided that to you, whether it's through having a job or through having people who share their finances with you or having a church that, that helps see you through different times. Believe that God has entrusted that money to you so that your needs are met and then to make sure that you meet the needs of other people. That's what, that's, what this, that's what a view of money that as a sponge looks like. It's not my money, it's not my paycheck, it's not my retirement, it's not my whatever. It's all his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That includes every dime that is in your savings account. Now I'm not sitting up here saying, so I need you to tithe more, folks. I need you to put more in the plates or whatever. We're doing fine. It's not a fundraiser. We're not trying to build a building. We're not trying to build an empire. All right? It's not that. But see, when, when the Spirit fills up the way you view your finances, giving is a joy. And you look at giving as a way of crucifying that flesh and reminding your flesh that it's dead. And that kills materialism. It kills self-centeredness. It kills all those things that we absolutely hate. And it makes you mad to watch videos like that and to know that people live that way and we have it so easy. So, that's what a saturated view of money kind of looks like from Scripture. Let me show you one more. The last one is relationships. We're talking co-workers, we're talking friends, we're talking dating, we're talking marriage. It tends to be a big one, and when it, they take up space, relationships are self-centered. You, you, you know people who are self-centered in their marriage? The marriage is all about you know, what, the, what their spouse can do for them. I have a friend who always jokes that the reason they had kids is so someone would cut the grass. And I was, he's totally joking. Um, but I, like, I know people who, like, their kids are like the, huge, like the biggest burden to them ever. Like, really? See, when it's taking up space, relationships are self-centered. It's all about what you can do for me. Or it's a source of identity and security. People whose entire value and sense of worth is caught up in their marital status or if they have kids or if they're dating somebody or who their best friends are and how many friends they have on Facebook and who follows them on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't really matter. In a in relationships to take up space, there's no Jesus at all, and there's no prayer. I'll just leave that one alone. Um, they're shallow. There are needs expressed that are ignored by other people. So, um, 
2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17, says, Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to other, a fragrance from life to life. Who's sufficient for these things? We're not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That aroma of Christ thing gets me every time. That that should be, that should characterize the relationships that we have with coworkers and friends and people that you date and people that you're married to and your families. Like, you should just smell like Jesus all the time. The aroma of Christ. That's what a saturated view of relationships looks like. You can read, uh, I won't read it, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, if you want to write that down. You want to know how to go deeper with your friends? Look at the friendship between Paul and Timothy. Incredibly deep. Ephesians 5, 25 to 33, here at Weddings. You want to know what, your, what a marriage saturated in Christ looks like? Um, it's Jesus and the church. That's what it looks like where the husband is the most accurate picture of Christ that the wife ever sees. That's what that looks like. And just like we respond to Jesus' love and protection and all that stuff, we respond to that by reciprocating that. That's what the wife does to the husband. That's what it looks like, marriage saturated by Christ. And so whether it's, it's work or it's money, or it's relationships. I think you get the point. And scripture is just very clear on these areas, and within those there's like a million other and a million subcategories, and you could add other ones to the list. I just didn't have time to do everything I could possibly think of. You just apply the same things there. Jesus has kept these things in the bucket so that he might have the preeminence in them, so that he might fill them up. Be filled with the Spirit. So, the ball is in your court, the ball is in my court, to figure out in what areas and in what ways we're blocking the Spirit, the things we're not letting Him into, the things that are like those bottles that are taking up space, and figure out how to get from that boat to this boat, where, where as He is filling it up, those areas of life are soaking up Jesus as well. And here's... Here's where I, what I think it comes down to for us. I think that a big reason why those things are not saturated by Christ is because we hold on to them so tightly. And we're all about surrender in some areas of life, but we don't want to let go of money or people or our job or whatever. That is ours. We don't want him into it. Somebody said in our community group a couple weeks ago, there's a difference between holding something in your hand with an open hand and holding it with a closed fist. And I really like that. God has entrusted you with things, but man, we close that fist so quickly. So maybe the issue for you and for me is going to come down to surrender. 
saying it's not my job, it's not my money, it's not my relationships, it's not my whatever. They're his. And when we unclench that fist and let go of that control, that begins the process of going from being a bottle to being a sponge. I know it's a cheesy analogy, but to me, it just makes sense. Maybe I'm cheeseball. But God has had us camped out here. He's had us here for a reason. And so uh, now I just got to figure out or continue to try to figure out for me how it applies. I pray you do the same. Let's pray together. Father, um, God, I know that we are all guilty of control issues in different ways in different areas of life. God, I pray that um, that you'll point those things out to us. God, that you'll show us how to let go. That you'll show us what a surrendered life really looks like. God, that you will ignite something in us that really desires a change in the way we view our jobs and our money and our relationships. God, that we wouldn't settle. Um, God, that we would push into whatever it is that you have for us. We would shake off everything that hinders. And just refuse to live a life that is anything less than what you died for us to be able to live. We love you, Father, and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going um, to just let this sink in for just a few more minutes as we close out. We're going to sing a little bit. And uh, these songs are responses, and uh, they're on purpose. And so um, just be responsible with the few minutes we have together as we end, and uh, just continue to see what God has for us tonight.